0: Welcome to One Wonderland. We are still an Arsenal podcast. Some of us are a little bit colder than others, but never mind. We'll get on with it. With me tonight is uh, the Ornstein killer himself. It's Simon the Scoop Collings. All right, Simon, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Danny. How are you? Do you really want to know how I am? You listen to this. Echo, temperature. Ready? Wait for this. At the moment, it's minus three degrees
1: Celsius. Next bit. Tonight, you can expect
0: a low of minus eight degrees. I'm
1: going to die. Got that well, lovely virtu- that virtual fire behind you to keep you warm, so you'll be all
0: right. No, well, it's not. It's, it's actually. Uh, uh, good God, there's hair in my mouth. I feel like a rabbit. <laughs> i Don't know why I said that. Uh, it's it's, it's an, actually. It is a heater. It's not a fake one. Talking about oh, not okay. a fake one. It's. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna pop this up. Double Holly Bob's. It's Ellis Mel. Hello, Ellis. Nice <laughs> for you to turn up for a show for once, uh, How are you both? <laughs>
2: Um, very good. I would like to point out that I've actually matched my outfit for exactly the same photo in the top right. Is that because that is that's dedication? Easy. I might have turned up about half an hour late, but just, just put the right just, clothes on. Um,
0: <laughs> is that the only clothes you're allowed to wear? That's the only clothes I own. It scrubs all that and nothing else. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Got to scrub them down, burn everything anything else I wear. Oh, are you all right though? We, we have missed you.
2: Yeah, I'm all right getting there. Not really very positive sweet. with the old Arsenal.
0: Oh, here we go. No, no, no one knows you're here yet, Carl. Don't ruin it. Yeah, shut up, Carl. <laughs> right. He's, he's gone on, He's let the cat out of the bag. It's the man who invented the hashtag fuck Ellis. It's the man who hates the hashtag hollybobs. It's Carl Walker. We're going to say your
3: surname because people say mine. How are you, what, Carl? What are you think that my government's for? So most people don't know my surname. do they not? I don't know. I Suppose people want to complain about me, their trains running late, and they can say, "Oh, someone called Carl made my trains late," and now they know everything. Thanks for that, You're <laughs> <famous>. Daniel Sweetman. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: how how is it then um, being on with with the man whose life you were trying to wreck? You weren't even meant to be on this show, were you? But as none of the other freeloading scumbags could be bothered to reply, I'm talking to you, Carpenter. Uh, it was um, you said, "Oh, come on!" And I said, is that only because you knew Ellis was going to be on and you wanted to torture
3: him? I mean, hashtag fuck Alice. I mean, do you know what? Actually, I actually have missed Alice. I'm, I'll, I'll never say this again. And oh, my you God. You've got torture me all you want. I'll never admit this again. But it's only because Chris, we asked Chris on Twitter, um, and obviously uh, Chris's Twitter account is um, null and void, unfortunately. So we are where we are. That's a beautiful, beautiful picture of Chris, that.
0: If you look above you, um, Carl Chris Chris is here. He's here in spirit, if not in body. Uh, Ellis has actually got hashtag um, fuck Ellis in his profile on Twitter because uh, can't draw um, can't draw Arsenal or something like that. He said the answer to everything is a bouet. and I went no, that's what that's what our Ellis says. And then uh, I tweeted you and Ellis. So there's two people on this planet, Ellis, that, that agree with you that it is all about a bouet. That's the only reason you're here, isn't it? That's the only reason
2: I'm here. I'm only here to see a even though he's not here. But he might turn up, you never know, lingering
0: around to pop on a podcast. Well, there That's you go. open there. Everybody's here, we're ship and we're ready to go. Right, We're going to start the conversation off. We've got a few things, topics we're going to cover in our private chat here. We're not doing it live because Ellis was uh, was half-hour late. It's a good job he didn't do it li- um, live, but he's got other responsibilities. Unlike me, he doesn't sit around and get up at half-past six and ready for a podcast at half-seven and then just spend the rest of the night watching films and watching nonsense and playing video games. He's got a real life, haven't you, Ellis? I've you know. all
2: day, I'll have you know. I had you 4 I sleep after my night shift, and I'd bake some scones, some cheese straws, some... Sausage rolls.
0: Just... You have four hours Whoa. sleep.
2: Well, yeah, because I've just finished night So I got in at about oh, 8 and I got Lord. about half 12 and then started. I, I,
0: I, I laid down at half past 7. I turned my telly off at 8 a.m. and then I woke up today at half past 6. You disgust me. Danny, you could work nights, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, you're not working anything, let alone nights. <laughs> I'm taking all of your what your um taxes and sponging it and paying it or spending it on cat food. I think we should shut up and get on with it. Um, yeah. So where are we going to go? We're up. I'm in the right window already. Simon, before we start off with you, I'm, sp- I'm not springing questions on people because I had this on the Gooner Crack podcast. They sprung a question on me. And I went, um, uh, uh, I don't know what to be talking about the question beforehand so you can have uh, a decent answer. And the only person to put his hand up and say he'll answer the first question is Simon. So the first topic we want to cover, Simon, is our recent run of form. How has it happened? And how do we Jim, will fix it?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, quite... Um a difficult week last week. I think is probably the, the easiest way to put it. I think going into it, that Wolves game, you know, I felt like it was a match that um, Arsenal should win and, and could win. And I mean, it was a it was a bizarre game for me. It was it was probably one of the, the weirdest games of the season, and almost a game you have to sort of write off. I know we can't write it off because we're on here to discuss it, but. Just the way it came about and, and everything that happened on the night. But but for the first 45 minutes, I don't know about you guys, but I thought it was about the best Arsenal have played all season under Arteta. Maybe certainly the best of this season. Um, I thought Saka looked fantastic. You know, could have scored within 45 seconds. Pepe out left, looked hungry. He looked like he had all the drive and energy. I mean, off the ball, I've, I've not seen him track back and work like that before. And then his goal was, you know all his own doing he won the ball back and then he battled for it not made a player and curled it in in the corner with his bottom foot and uh, and i was at the game covering it and i'd written out the tweet being you know best 45 of the season arsenal one up should be more and then obviously um what happened happened didn't it um i mean yeah it's my fault (laughs) i guess i mean lucky i didn't tweet it I, i know um I was listening to James Gunnablock who was saying he actually tweeted it and then had to delete it seconds later. Um, I mean, well, I'm sure we'll come on to VAR later on, but the whole David Luiz situation just felt like one where, I mean, when I saw it in real time, I thought, you know, this is classic David Luiz, here we go again. He does this to us. I mean, just when we thought he'd been brilliant, consistency back, he lets you down and then watched it back. I thought it was incredibly unlucky. Um, I think he's actually trying to get out of the way. Um, and for it to be sent off I can understand you know people saying letter of the law but it just didn't feel right at all and particularly when VAR confirms that and then the appeal obviously went as it didn't confirmed it again it felt like a real kick in the teeth so I mean if that hadn't have happened I think we'd have 100% won that game um, and then the Aston Villa game it was a match where you know there wasn't really much in it for me they scored early on because you know, small defensive error at the back where Cedric, you know, under-hits a pass, they nick in, takes a deflection. But after that, I didn't really think they threatened Arsenal massively. I know Matt Ryan made a few good saves and looked solid, but didn't feel like a game where Arsenal were much the worst team. And if it had been a 1-1 draw, I think it would have been a fair result. So, yeah, it was just just one of those weeks, I think. I don't think Arsenal have played particularly worse than they have in other weeks. I think it's just been a bit of a It sort of summed up the season where... They've been close games and Arsenal have just been on the wrong side of it. I, I don't think we should be going into the Leeds game this weekend thinking, oh, what are we going to do? You know, everything's at an all-time low. The the confidence will be shot. I, I really think it's a case of dusting themselves and going again.
0: Yeah, I'm just uh, trying to... Remember. Who was it who tweeted that we wanted some questions? That was very well organised. Was it you, Carl? It was <laughs> indeed, Danny? Oh, you lovely, lovely man. See, that's why... Uh, well, you have the password. Uh, I did change the password because I forgot what it was. Every Ellis, you got any um, any thoughts on what Simon was saying? In, in terms of general
2: sort of analysis of both the games, not really. I'm thinking in pretty much agreement with Simon there. I think the way we are at the moment, the matches are being decided by fine margins. Really, we're we're not really at the ability to where we can just completely put any team to the sword and just batter them. It's a case of the game's going to be tight. Sometimes the luck goes our way. Sometimes it doesn't. I mean, it's frustrating to look at how sort of far we've fallen that we are sort of not really terribly upset with losing to Wolves and Villa. Like, you rewind a couple of seasons back and we'd be pissed off to losing to them. But it's just the way that is. The, the VAR thing obviously will come on too, I think. it's just It's just frustrating. And I think all these mistakes the referees are making especially for us, because we are literally this bad, that we rely on them to have a good game. And if they have a good game and swing it against us, we haven't got the ability in the squad to sort of turn that around. Like you can look at this, like Man City, for example, against Liverpool. They got a penalty against them. If that was us, that'd probably turn us on the head and we'd probably end up losing that game. But City have the quality to sort of overcome poor decisions and as do a lot of the other teams and sort of the top four, top five. Whereas we aren't really... At that point yet, I think we're still sort of a very much team in development. And when we do have these issues with referee, issues, decisions, mistakes from key players, it is going to cost us and it, and it has cost us. It's just it's just the way we are at the moment until we get our performance up to that point where we can sort of maintain that high quality regardless of what goes against us. then we are going to lose games to Villa 1-0 or lose 2-1 to... To Wolves when we look like we're on top and playing probably some of the again I agree with Simon the way Pepe if I can try and get a positive I think Pepe for me who I've been highly critical of has been playing really well and especially in that in that Wolves game and with the goal that he scored that's a quality game and, and unfortunate for Pepe it's probably going to be forgotten about because it's a loss Um but yeah I don't think again agreeing with Simon I, I, it's just constantly me talking about agreeing with Simon but yeah I, I don't think you can take too much out of either as a result I don't think it's going to knock our confidence I think hopefully we can sort of use that sort of siege mentality with the decisions that have gone our way to try and gear the guys up I know they are sort of a good form at the moment they're, they're scoring goals Bamford's getting goals and assists Rafinha's getting goals and assists they they've got some informed players and if you're looking on paper we're not informed but again they're fine margins and if if, if the tide turns a bit in our favor then that's a game that we can we can probably win
3: Oh, go sorry, don't you think it shows how far? Uh, I know we're talking about fine margins, but unfortunately, fine margins win games. And you're looking at the fact that leads sorry, you're looking at the fact that Aston Villa and Wolves have both done a double over us. Now, I don't think that's happened in since I don't know since in the eighties, since Danny had hair. Like yeah. so, um, like doesn't it show that like, kind of how far we've uh, fallen? Um, know the the, the losses at home again you're talking about fine margins and again you're talking about another fine margins and the games that we've lost it's it's not just our recent form is it it's kind of a a mentality in the squad because how is it that we've allowed we've allowed ourselves to fall that far down the pecking order that you know, Aston Villa, who just about scraped um, staying in the Premier League last season, and Wolves, who hadn't won for, was it eight games before they played us, um, to win. And yeah, you know, you can talk about the, the red cards. Unfortunately, they obviously helped them. But it's, it's besides it's the fact that we allowed ourselves to be in that position. Like you said, Simon, um, we had the one of the greatest halves uh, of football against Wolves brilliantly, but we only scored one goal. Why is it that we couldn't put that game to bed? If we are two, maybe three new up, you know, the game doesn't turn on its head the way it does. I don't believe it does. So why is it that these fine margins are making us lose games and other teams have these fine margins and they manage to get a positive result out of these I do fine margins, as you said.
2: It's the quality, isn't it? It's the quality yeah. in the squad and the, and the quality of the way we play. Like you say, if we had the quality there, that first half against Wolves, we'd be 3-0 up, potentially. Yeah. But the quality wasn't there. And that's why these fine mar- margins are punishing us so much, because we haven't got the ability to to essentially run a game to put the team on the back foot and make them pay for it. Like We all know what football's like there's momentum momentum switches to a team's way and the good teams take advantage of that switch in momentum and, and we're not at the moment and then when it switches the other way to the team we're crumbling and and it's frustrating and again like you're 100% tr- like bang on the money Carl like we have fallen that far that we are being punished by these lapses in concentration for our defenders or these sometimes it's just moments of brilliance from the opposition. Sometimes they score a screamer and there's not much you can really do about that. But other times it can be a ref making a mistake, making the arguing the right or wrong call, or it can just be a complete lapse in concentration by a player in defense or in offense and missing a goal when they should probably put it away. And it's, it's, it's where we are and it's frustrating. I don't really know the answer. I don't know if any of you two have any ideas on how we sort of fix this. I don't think it is... Necessarily a poor run of form. I think, it, like I think, you hit the on the head, Carl. There, I think it is where we are at the moment, and I don't, know, I don't know how we fit, how we fix it. I don't think it's just the form. I think we've been a bit unlucky, and that's why we're losing these games. But I think, in terms of our performance level and the way we can form, I don't think there's much we can really get out of this team with the way we're set up at the moment. I don't know about
1: you two. Mm, God, it's I'm not the team's hard. not. I was going to say the team's not. It's it's not really a ruthless team. At the moment, that's that is about quality, but it's also a sort of personality trait. I think perhaps it's down to confidence. I don't know, but uh, you know, the best teams, the best Arsenal teams in particular, were were ruthless. You know, they would they would have a first half like they did against Wolves, and they would obliterate a team in that half and be three four nil up and you know knock a team out. And I I find a lot with the way Arsenal are under Arteta, and maybe it's because the team's still developing and the squad's still developing, but. I find a lot, a lot of the games are very sort of, you know, very tight games, very sixty forty, very back and forth. And, and if you if you were equating it to a boxer or comparing it to a boxer, you know, Arsenal win a lot of games on points or they lose a lot of game on points. They very rarely get battered by a team, but they also very rarely batter a team. You know, they're not knocking teams out. They're not, you know, going out there other than West Brom putting four or five goals past a team. And I don't know if that's the way they are at the moment. That's how Arteta wants them to play or it's a nature of the season being so congested that it means, you know, teams can't be playing at full throttle all the time. But but right now, I don't feel like the team, and I think Arteta is something you want to get into, is ruthless enough to go and have a half like they did against Wolves and, you know, put your foot down and be three foot up and kill the game. I very rarely watch Arsenal play a game and sit there for the last 20 minutes and going yeah, they've killed this game, that's it, done. And that's that, for me, is a bit of a problem. I don't know if that's quality or if that's, you know, that's but that, for me, is... The best teams do that; they they will blow teams away and kill games. And Arsenal at the moment don't look like doing that.
2: Going back to your point of mentality, like the amount of red cards you've had this season, or since mm. Arteta has been in charge at Arsenal, t- Arteta's Arsenal is—I I can't remember a time like it. I can't remember a time when we've received that many red cards. Does, does that come into it? You're talking about ruthlessness, but then also is a—is yeah. there a disciplinary issue there as well with our team? I don't know. But is it the fact that there isn't someone? Like is that say. more
3: individual mistakes though? And, mm. and I, I I use this word mistakes very loosely because I guess we'll talk about it later about the um uh, David Louise Red Card against Wolves. You know, that's it's very debatable. I mean, the only one you could really to the best of my knowledge just popping up in my mind right now is the Man City one where it's just stupid mistakes, um mm. lapsing concentration, and we we keep saying this, and you know, even um maybe concentration is, is an issue um, because look how early we lost a goal to uh, Aston Villa and that was a lapse in concentration. It was a lapse in concentration from Cedric who gave the ball away and also a lapse in concentration from Rob Holding and not getting touched tight in the box um, against Ollie Watkins. So, you know, you're looking at that and people saying, oh, it was too early in the game. Well, you know, as I said on the on the other Podcast that we've done against after the game. If you start work at, you know, twelve thirty, that's the time you start work. You have to be ready to get into a job. If I went to work and thought, well, you know what, um, I'll start my job, but I'm not going to do any work for um, half an hour, my trains will be even later than they already are. So, um, <laughs> so you know, what I mean, you've got to be you've got to be ready. And why is this team not focused in doing their job? Why is this team ill disciplined because? If you look at it, if he's, I think he has been nine red cards since Arteta's taken over, that's ill discipline. If that was any other team in the Premier League, we would be like, oh my god, that like, look at this, like it's ridiculous. So what it you know, we can't put our we're not around the team day in, day out. Obviously, Arteta sees the team day mm-hmm. in day out in training, but there has to be a reason. There has to be something in there why he's received that many red cards. I mean, the Pepe one, um, that's ill discipline. He he hit out a player red card all day. The Granite Xhaka one, exactly the same thing. And people say, oh, he was wound up. Well, to be honest, it's football. You, you are going to get wound up. Like you, look how many, if there was fans in the stadium, you'd be getting called every name under the sun. And that's not me saying it's correct. I'm not saying it's right, but unfortunately, and I mean this, unfortunately, that is part and parcel of playing football. They're going to try and opponents are going to try and gain an advantage by any means necessary. Um, You know, the biggest one was Zidane in the World Cup final when (laughs) Matarazzi said something to Zidane, Mm -hmm. he got head At the end of the day, you know, that was an advantage. He said something, Zidane reacted. It's all about how you react, and but our players are reacting to silliness. And, you know, it's obviously an issue within the club at the moment, but how does it get fixed? Is it a psychological issue? Does... I try to bring a psychologist to come in and talk. Is it tiredness? and um, Is it frustration? Uh, the fact that we're not playing very well, so you lash out. It, it could be a culmination of things. Mm. But, but there's a good article that, um, that.
0: where you, further. Go yeah, nice no, was to ask you a question, Simon. We look at the fact that we've lost 10 league games this season. Seven of those games we've lost by a single goal. And then Alan Davies was saying, like, like you were saying with you, your first, when the first question, that first forty 45, 46 minutes against Wolves was probably the best forty six minutes we've seen under Arteta. And Alan Davies was saying, in the old days when we went, when we got a player sent off, you do, you wouldn't have taken off Henri or Bergkamp, you'd have taken off uh, one of the other players, and you'd have gone right. Every other player has got to give another t- extra ten percent. And then as soon as we had that player sent off, Arteta went, no, shut up, shot. We're not going to try and do it anymore. We're going to try and defend. And rather than going, this Wolves team aren't very good. That, that, that bloke who scored the wonder goal, he's been doing it all season. And that's the first goal he scored in the Premier League for Wolves. And uh, that it was wrong that Arteta seems to go very much like Emery did that he's he's scared of conceding a goal. So when we go 1-0 up, apart from the West Brom game, when we go 1-0 up, it tends to hold back and go, right, steady on now, let's just defend a little bit more. And uh, when they was saying that in the Wolves game, at one point they had 90% possession, but they didn't have a shot on target, or they didn't have any more shots because they were um, defending their lead. But we, we can't keep doing that, can we? I mean, seven mm-hmm. games we lost by a single goal. And, and, and then I was saying before the show started, Aubameyang, this time last season, had, had 14 league goals he's currently got not um five so that's a difference of nine so those seven games we have lost by a single goal even if a young would have got one goal in half of those games that would have put us up top six easily wouldn't it so many so many variables to take into consideration but losing so many games by a single goal that gives me hope and then you look at a little thing like liverpool liverpool have lost uh, their last three home league games, 1-0 to Burnley, who are who not a good team. They lost 1-0 to Brighton, who are not a good team. They got smashed 4-1 by Man City. Are the Liverpool fans going, that's it, we want Klopp out? I don't know. I don't know any Liverpool fans. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have just won the Premier League and, and yeah. the Champions League the season before. Best season so in the world. There's some are, good there. <laughs> are the Liverpool fans able to put that into some kind of context and realise, well, it, it's, the season is upside down. Teams are getting beaten when they by teams at the bottom of the league. Now, that's 10 questions there, Simon. Good luck. <laughs> See you in about an yeah.
1: hour. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, particularly, you know, you're talking about losing the games by, by one goal and and it was a point we made before about fine margins, but those games where I think Arteta made the point himself, the games where they've had the red cards have cost Arsenal the game and the points, you know, the Wolves game, you're going on a win in that game. The Burnley game with Jack a red card for me, you're going on a winning game. The Pepe won against Leeds, obviously went on and drew that game. I think if you've got 11 men, you may be going to win that. So, you know, those have really cost Arsenal in the games, And it's, it's a good place. You can find it, um, it's on the telegraph web- website by Sam Dean who wrote it. He basically went through all the red cards of the of the uh, Arteta era, all nine in the league, and sort of analysed them and said what the verdict was. And you so you've got a Bamiyang in the Crystal Palace game, in which Carl was, you know, speaking off air that he was at that game, clumsy tackle by a striker, and then you had obviously Louise against Chelsea, which we discussed, you know, a poor individual error where he brings down the man in the box. And do you remember Eddie and Ketty got sent off against uh, Leicester City in the summer? A poor mm. tackle. Pepe, the next one, you know, striking out a player. Xhaka, next one, striking out a player. Gabriel at Saints was the one after that where two yellow cards, one of them for kicking the ball away. Then David Luiz is probably the one where you say that's unfortunate. And then Bern Leno where, you know, he just had a brain fart for a minute and, and forgot where he was almost. So, a lot of those, you know, I think can can be put down to, to poor discipline. But I would I would stress. I think before that Wolves game, I think they had actually been much better. At that Arsenal and, and Louise had sort of summed that up himself because, you know, I think I'd written a piece myself saying I can't remember a time where Louise has been this consistent and this level-headed and and this assured. Um, but it all sort of unraveled in that Wolves game. But maybe that's a, a nature of the squad. You know, maybe that's the nature of this, this squad at the moment. Are, are they like that? Where that. They have those moments where the discipline goes. I think they're getting better at. It. I do think they are getting better, but I think um, it's been a it's been highlighted. I think you can't ignore it. To so to have nine red cards, six more than anyone else that that's not an anomaly. You know, if it was one or two more than everyone else, you could say fair enough. But to be six more than any other team in the same time frame, yeah, that's not right.
0: Yeah, something needs to be done about it, and it's uh, the fact that we just. Hold back when we need to score more goals. So that the two best games this season for me, Ellis, has been the West Brom game when we were absolutely. Some of the when we when we want to, some of the goals that we score are absolutely stunning. We've had quite a few of them this season, and and the first half against uh, against Wolves. But do you do you wonder why some Arsenal fans? That's never enough. They're they're incapable of, of seeing the wood for the trees. Where they go, no, no, I don't care. We, we've lost we've lost ten league games. That's an absolute disgrace. Sack the manager, get them all out, start again. Do you have any idea how these people think this is going to work? Because I'm arguing with some moron on Twitter at the moment. He's, he just wants Arteta out, and he doesn't care. We can't keep doing that. We're not a club like like Chelsea, and well, and Man City. Not that they keep sacking their manager, but Man City did go through a period where they were getting a new manager every couple of years. And these do these people? How do they? How do? How do you think they justify that? Their their ideas that even though we play some magnificent football this season, we're scoring some magnificent goals and it, there's a process going on. We can see what the process is. Why don't you think they're able to see the fact that, that, that something's working? And They, they want they want to start playing FIFA. They go, no, I want all new players. I want a new manager and I want it tomorrow. And uh, we've slightly moved off topic. but
2: Yeah, that was a very long question again. You're, you're good at them today, <laughs> aren't you?
0: Um, I, I I think think I'm just listening to what you lot are saying.
2: <laughs> I think it's a bit of the, the, the AFTV... The, um, social media mentality nowadays, isn't it? Everyone expects the best all the time. And because yeah. you've got characters on podcasts and on YouTube shows, ranting and raving that it's not the best. And then and, and people are going to be rightly or wrongly swayed by that. And I think it's, it, it takes a very calm individual, I suppose, to, to look at the football team that you love and you're so passionate about and analyse that. Without letting your sort of feelings come through, your frustrations and your and and and, you, and your love and joy for the club, like we're, all football fans are like it. It's not just Arsenal fans. We one minute we're ranting and raving about the next big thing coming out through the squad because he scored a Ronda goal and he's from from the youth academy, and then he'll have a poor game the next week and we're we'll saying, oh, he needs to bin him, get him off. Like this, we're just reactionary, aren't we? Like we want the best for our club, and I think in a way we're sort of our own worst enemies because we're a club that has not necessarily very recently but in the not too distant past we were a very successful strong club with a lot of fans that were attracted to the club from all over the world and unfortunately we're not that club at the moment or that team at the moment. We're not the team that are going to win the Premier League or we're not the team that are going to consistently get into the Champions League. We're far below that at the moment. That's going to take a long time to get there. And unfortunately, we are going to make mistakes. I think people seem to forget as well that you can say, yeah, we want Arteta out. But this is a guy who's never managed another club in his career. This is his first job and it's at Arsenal during a pandemic. It's an incredibly hard job. He's going to make mistakes and I don't think... We can, well, of course, we're we're allowed to criticise the manager when he makes mistakes. Of course, we are, but we need to sort of realise that they are going to happen, and that maybe these fine managed, maybe these games where, like we were talking about, when we've gone a man down and a goal down, even we try and shut up shop because, yeah, Arteta probably is afraid to lose because he wants to try and get some sort of foundation there to build on, and not be the guy who's just lost two or three nil when it's only 1-0 and, and to, if you just look at the squad or look at the the squad we've got and look at the, the squad that other teams have got, the fact that you've mentioned, Danny, Liverpool losing multiple games with big score lines, other teams losing 7-8, 9-0 and to, to not be one of those teams is a nice thing and I think Arteta is just trying to steady the boat in what is a very rocky difficult season and yeah fans aren't gonna like it and fans are gonna want them out but there's there's those fans will always be there no matter who's in charge and whatever the unless we're winning every single fucking game and winning all the trophies, there's already gonna be someone there that wants the manager whoever the manager is out. It's just the way we, it is unfortunately.
0: <laughs> what do we do with these
3: people Carl? Um can you see can you see their it, point of view? Listen, everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and I think if everyone had the same opinion, if If everyone had the same opinion, if everyone had the same opinion, the world would be very boring. Like, imagine if everyone had the same opinion as Chris. There would be no more wars, would there? Would all support the same team? Yeah, but do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's everyone like needs their own opinions what makes the world a, an interesting place it, it really is and yeah there are some people who have extreme views that like, are in all walks of life politics and you know football teams beliefs religion is it, one of those things I'm however french football is good it's one of the worst that we can't agree <laughs> on. <laughs> we love you really chris we do but um at the same time they're entitled to their opinions you know what i mean like it's um it's one of those things the, Like any walk of life, people are very either extreme left or extreme right. Um, I don't believe I personally. I don't want Arteta out, but however, I don't believe that this is the right job for him to be learning on. I think the Arsenal job is is far too big for your for you to making your managerial debut and to be learning on the job, because at the moment, if we was a club that. You know, we was playing well. Then, by all means, you can come in and t- and do that sort of thing. But we was a club that was in turmoil when he took over. From you know the Emery days, we was we was in disarray. Let's be let's be very honest. Um, however, I, I I believe that he he's trying his best. No manager goes in and doesn't try their best. He, he's trying. He's learned on the job. I, I don't believe he should be. I believe he... You know, I think we do need an experienced manager. However, we don't have that. So you have to back the players, back the manager and back the team that you've got. We don't have any other players. We don't have another manager. This is the one you have. And at the same time, you got to look at it, is If Arteta does go, genuinely, and I mean this genuinely, who else is there for the, to bring in? In world football right now, there is not that many managers to bring in. I mean, Tommy Tickles, he's gone to um, Chelsea. Allardyce has gone to West Brom, hasn't he? So. Yeah. Thanks Lampard's out of a job. Well, there's <laughs> Lampard. Um only
1: Coyle at the moment.
3: Oh, <laughs> could you imagine? But, like, yeah. if you're looking at the, all the big the, realistically, all the big name Allegri, can we really afford Allegri? Allegri's going to want money. So, and Allegri plays defensive football. Anyone who's watched um football in Italy. Allegri is not the most exciting manager. He played in a league where you Ellis could bloody um manage Juventus and win the league. That was how easy it was. Juventus won the league, what was it six, seven, eight years in a row? I think it, nine, I think. It, it was, so it's not that hard. It's not managing in Scottish, like Scottish football. That's why Stephen Gerrard is probably the next best thing since Lifestyle. But um There's no one... like Realistically, there is no one else to bring in. So you have to work with... That's not a reason to keep someone, by the way. Let me make this clear. That's not the reason. But you have to give him time. He has to to have time to try and get the team he wants. He's gotten out the players that he wants, the Urzils, the Mustafis, um, out of the squad. So now he can try and build the squad that he wants. And yeah, he's going to make mistakes along the way. Of course he is going to make mistakes along the way. But... You know, the results aren't as good as we want them to be. Like, we want to be top four. We want to be up there. Unfortunately, the squad is not good enough at the moment. It's not. Like, you look on paper, the players are not good enough at the moment. The form of the players are not good enough, which we're probably going to talk about um, later. But, you know, we have to try and back the manager. We have to try and show them support. We have to try and, you know, I'm sure... As Simon probably knows all, all all players look on Twitter to see, you know, their name and to see what people are talking about them, which is definitely a subject we're probably gonna talk about in a minute. But um you can move on to that if you yeah. want. Pardon? You can move on to that now if you want. All right, we'll do that now. Like we so we've decided that we're not really gonna talk about the Saliba video. This whatever happens in that video, there's investigation about it, that will happen. So we're not gonna to touch on that. I don't think it's right for us to uh, to comment whatever happens out of it. Everyone's seen um, the video and we'll just leave that there. However, what we are going to talk about is the interview that he gave um, to media outlet about Arteta mm-hmm. and, um, and saying that Arteta made a decision about him after two games. Now, there's no doubt that these young players definitely look at Twitter. These young players must see... Um, people talking about them on Twitter, 100%. And as far as I can see, most people are in the backing of, they want Saliba to come in and play. They're talking about him being a direct replacement for David Luiz. Um, for me, I think it's really hard for Saliba. And I don't know if there is a way back. And I ask Simon just question Uh, So, when a player gives an interview to a media outlet or a a journalist or something along them lines, obviously, I'm assuming that most of it sometimes is off the record unless you get that agreement to say, can I print this? Yes, you can. Okay. So, when Saliba has given an interview, obviously, he knows that whoever that journalist is, they're going to print that story. They're going to say, they're going to direct, whether it was Saliba himself or Saliba's people around him has given that story there's obviously going to print that story. Now Saliba must know the blowback from that, that story is going to give, you know, to say that the manager saw me twice, didn't like me and shit me out. Basically that was the gist of the story. So when something like that happens, do you Simon tell the club first or do you just print the story and then see what happens, the blowback afterwards? Yeah. I mean, it depends
1: how the interview comes about. Um, i mean certainly for you know in the in the modern era most of your interviews are done done through the club who will have a you know they'll have a press officer sitting on the interview um who'll be there you know monitoring the interview recording everything that's said so they'll be fully aware of what's what's being said what's happened if you said asked a question that they thought was unfair uh they could the press officer might interject and say and yeah i don't think it's valid asking that question or vice versa but then you can get interviews where they're done you know through the player and through an agent um and that might be a case where a club isn't aware of it and uh, quite often the case or it could be done through a pr i mean quite often the case with a lot of interviews in the modern sort of journalism world is that normally um the player or the agent would request to see the see the interview before it goes out or see um, a copy of the article that's going to be filed. You'll get some journalists who'll say, no, I'm refusing to do that. You've said what you said. It was all on tape. You'll get some who say, yeah, I'm happy you to take a look at it, but I'm not changing anything. You'll get some journalists who'll say, yeah, you can look at it and you can change. It all sort of depends. And that would normally be agreed before the interview. Um, I think this interview, if correct, if I'm wrong, I think it was done, it was a broadcast interview that Saliba did. Um, and, and the difficulty, you know, with any interview is there'll be things that are said within the interview that will then become the main the main talking point, the main story. And, and this is a prime example, you know, Saliba saying what he did there. And, you know, I think people have taken umbrage with the fact saying, oh, you know, well, it's been taken out of the interview and it's been made the story. But that is the case with a lot of interviews. You know, you'll sometimes get sat down with an hour for a player and there'll be a point that they make that will become the main talking point. And I think that's sort of happened here. So I think we do... I would admit, admit we do need to have some understanding of what Saliba is trying to give the context that he's doing. Um, but also, I think it might be a case of a young player saying something a bit too a bit too honest, a bit too open. I mean, to be honest, I, I, I agreed with a lot of what Saliba said. You know, um, I can completely understand why he felt frustrated and if he was only given two games. Um, the question will be whether, I don't know what you guys think, whether you think there's now a bit too much you know, water that needs to get under the bridge? Has it become an awkward situation? Or will Arteta and the club think, yeah, you know, you may be right saying that. We've perhaps got these things wrong. We didn't send you out on loan when we should have done. And they can all come to come to the green man. I don't know. It just, it feels like from the outside looking in, that it's all just a bit, not a happy camp at the moment between the two of them. I don't know whether these six months away where Saliba's playing week in, week out will help a big difference, but Um, You know, I think Saliba's done three interviews since he's been out in France, obviously because he's playing really well and everyone wants to talk to him and particularly about Arsenal. Um, But I don't know, these things are going to cause a storm and maybe it would have just been best to be like, you know, we're not talking at all to anyone, this is it, we're just going to leave it. Um, It's a difficult one. I don't know what you guys think from a a fan point of view and, and of what you make of those comments and whether they've been blown up or blown out of proportion or whether you think... Maybe Saliba and his camp need to be aware that this could happen if you if you do an interview or
3: you agree to talk. I think some of the words probably taken out of context as well. I mean, without it being probably translated word for word as well, it's kind of hard. And like you said, as a young player, sometimes you just got something to say. You wanna, you know, you may be a bit frustrated because maybe he did mm. want to stay and try and fight for his place, and then obviously he hasn't been given the opportunities and then he's been bumped down to the under twenty-threes, and then when you see You know, let's be honest with you. Like when you see people like David Luiz playing, who when he had his little patch where he wasn't playing well, and Saliba's nowhere near the squad as well, you're probably looking at that thinking, "Well, I could do a better job than that," but I'm not being given um, the opportunity. Um, I think with with Saliba, I think the issue is if we sell him, we are nowhere going, we are not going to get the money that we paid for him. We're not going to get probably half the money that we paid for him recouped back. So it's either take a loss and sell him um, at a fraction of the price, because I think we would be very lucky to get more than 15 mil for him. That's my personal opinion. It could be different. I think in the current climate with COVID, clubs having no money, um, and especially he probably want to go back to France, and anyone who's sort of um, been following French football, Their TV deal, they've got no money. No club in France have got no money apart from PSG but because they've had a shocking TV deal. um, (laughs) So no one's going to be spending big money in France. So it's, it's, it's a question of what do you do with a player like Saliba? Do you try and integrate him into the squad? But I guess with a manager, if you just don't like a player, you just don't like a player and there's nothing that can you can do to try and change that player that manager's mind it's just one of those things um it's hard to do to see what you would do I mean Ellis what would you do with Saliba if you as Arteta
2: it's difficult to say isn't it like I I don't know Arteta's opinion on the guy I don't know what has caused him to judge Saliba the way he has whether it is an attitude issue um, whether it is, like he said, the, the quote that's going around or doing the rounds is, he judged me on two and a half games from Saliba, isn't it? And again, I think that is a, a young, inexperienced player saying stuff like that. Maybe a more experienced pro would probably phrase that a bit more positive or not so much. What's the word? I can't think of the word for it now, but it sounds a bit whiny, doesn't it? He's only judged me on two games. I think a, 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 an older pro would probably... Word that a bit differently, Um, but yeah, it's difficult. I don't know the the whole video thing again. Not not going into it, but that is a bit strange that that's come out at the same time as all the criticism that he's apparently said about Arteta. I think for me, I think the writings on the wall. I think before before the video, before these comments, the whole not getting any game time and being sent out on loan after spending quite a, a hefty price on him, sort of indicates to me that the club want rid or Arteta himself just doesn't fancy him again I don't know what the reason is before that has he actually judged him on what he's seen him in those two games and what he's seen in training or is there some sort of attitude problem there we saw Gwendoos it seems to be relatively known that his is an issue with attitudes again they've both sort of grown up in the same sort of um uh Youth teams for for France. Maybe there is a bit of an attitude problem there. I don't. I don't know. It's all speculation at the moment. I think that's that's the, the difficulty of it, isn't it? No one really, truly knows what's going on. I think all Saliba has to do though is continue to play well. Again, another league. It's the French league. It might be a bit easier to perform well than it is in the Premier League. But if he keeps performing well there, then the Ryan isn't on the wall, and that the club can say actually no we'll bring him back we'll give him a chance to look at what he's performed so he's he just got to knuckle down probably keep the comments to a minimum and just get on with his football and then for, there's every chance people have come back from worse haven't they really and that's all you can ask for really and if it doesn't help it doesn't work it doesn't work and again yeah I agree with we, we ain't going to get much money for him we spend quite a lot but that is a feature of our transfer business in recent times isn't that when have we made a profit on anyone when have we seemingly bought really well in the last two or three transfer windows it's 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 been a bit poor really I
0: mean you look at his um he's a massively gifted player and I think we we don't really know speaking to Chris because Chris knows stuff um he was one of the shining stars of, of French football at a very young age and he's made a massive move and I think going by the reports that he he was promised certain things, maybe build the team around him, that he was going to come in, he was going to be the star player after being a year back on loan at Saint-Etienne. And then I think it started with Arsenal not allowing him to play in the cup final for Saint-Etienne, in which they I think they played PSG and they lost the cup final. And that automatically, I mean, that wouldn't have done Arsenal any harm. There was rumours at the time, or I read tweets saying that if he played one more game, then we would have to pay them £13 million or some crazy number like that. I really don't know. These, these things have never been proven. And so he, he comes back, he's playing some reserve football. I think I saw two of his reserve games this season. Uh, and he looked good. It looked like it was too easy for him. And when you're that young and you're that good and you're and you're that, you're going to be cocky about the situation. And then you look at it, he's walked straight into that Nice team, which aren't a decent Nice team. They've um, they've sacked Vieira, and then he's gone in there and he has taken them by storm. And this this his last game for them. They went to um, top half of the table, Angers, however you say it. They smashed him 3-0. He had eight interceptions. He was by far the best player defensively on that pitch. He's still one of – already, he hasn't taken any time to settle in. He's just gone straight at it. And he's been one of their best players. And when you're that good and you've been promised stuff, and it looks like he's been promised a load of lies by Raul and the other people that are no longer at the club. And then Arteta's gone, well, I'm in charge now. You've been told this and that by the other people that are now gone. You do what I want to do. And, and Saliba's going, fuck oh, fucking look at me. I'm fantastic. Look, I'm over here. I'm playing brilliant football, of course. And he's going to be angry. And that's why he's giving those angry interviews. And maybe there's no one there to, to say to him, look, calm down. Because at that age, Simon, we're all a little bit headstrong. Or if, if you think you're that good, then, of course, he's going to be angry about it. Because what he, he doesn't want to be playing in France. He wants to be playing at the back of Arsenal. He's probably looking at the likes of David Louise and going, I could play better than him on one leg. So you've got to feel for the bloke, haven't you, and take into consideration his age.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, as I said, you know, I, reading a lot of things he said, I, I sort of agreed with him a lot of it and I could completely understand his, his frustrations around it. Um, and it's, it's an odd situation, isn't it? Because I remember the, you know, when Arsenal signed him in, in 2019, there were plenty of clubs who were trying to get him. You know, he was... As Chris was saying, you know, Bill is this brilliant star of French football, youth coaches give an interview saying how, you know, a brilliant a player he was, comparing him to Favran when he was coming through the ranks. So I think for him, the frustration would have been, you know, seeing those players and believing that he's better than them and should be starting ahead of them um, and not getting in the side. And I think from the outside, you know, we're looking and thinking, you know, is, is he not a better option than, than Mustafi playing or, you know, would you not have him in? The Europa League squad. I know there was issues around that where they thought um, didn't realise Mari was going to be injured for so long, and the same with Chambers. So he probably could have been instead. But I mean, it, it all comes down to basically whether you you back Arteta and back Arteta's judgment and believe he's doing the right thing. Because let's face it, Arteta wants to win football matches. It's his job to win matches. Surely, if he thought Saliba was going to help him do that, he would be picking him. You know, so he, it, there must be a reason for it, but my only hope is that he goes away for these, these six months, you know, continues the, the good form he's in for Nice. I think where the club did let him down, I think is, you know, before the end of that summer window where they failed to get the paperwork done in time to send him back to St. And he basically, you know, three months of his career, essentially wasted, not playing. Um, I think that's where they let him down. I think, and I think that for me would have caused more issue than, than anything else. And I think he would, he has every right for that to be, frustrated because for it to fall down like that, you know, is is a really bitter pill, and then to, to not play any games, um, and that's that would have hindered his development. So I think that's where the issue will be. But we're gonna have to wait and see in the summer, isn't it? It's going to be an interesting one. I think Edu and, and Arteta were both pretty clear, weren't they, when he went out um, on loan that they see him as a big part of the future. They want him back, so we're gonna have to wait and see. But for me, I think you've got to surely persevere with him. From everything we've heard about him, everything we. You know, seen when he's been playing out in France, he looks like a quality footballer. So I can't feel like it's a, it's one you give up on.
0: Definitely, yeah. Um, Carl, should we talk about the Willian situation a little bit, or is it going to make us all too sad? Or should, should we should we try and find something positive to talk about, like Abam and young's forms out? Maybe VAR. Oh, no, we can't talk about VAR. Um, what are we going to do, Carl? We need to find something positive. All right, we'll, talk we'll talk about
3: out. we'll talk about Willian and. Uh, Obama Young signing in the same sentence, and then we can do the other uh subject. Um, so we were talking off air, like Simon, you and I, and we were talking saying that obviously when William first come into the squad or when we first bought him, everyone thought it was kind of a decent signing. I don't think there was anyone that kind of uh, uh uh-huh, Spurs are losing by the way, sorry. Um, I don't think anyone kind of um. Said, oh, it's not a ba- it's not a good signing, but it's not a bad signing. I mean, you're getting a, a Premier League experienced player, um, who has experience at winning the league, and he, he wasn't a bad player. He 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 was decent for Chelsea. I think the season before he came, he was very good. Now, whatever has happened with Willian, whether he's, you know, some some players just lose form, that it just happens. Some players just don't have it anymore. Whether it's Arteta not playing him correctly, whether he's just not applying, we don't know. But, wherever it is, William is not playing very well. I think there was a stat going around that he's played 25 games and had two shots on goal. Like, that's, for me, that's ridiculous. Especially if you're playing as an attacking uh, player. I mean, I think Gabriel had more shots on goal than Williams had um in, in his co- Arsenal career. And I think it's just he's not playing well at the moment. Let's just let's you can't you've got to call the spade a spade. He's not. And I think Arteta's is trying to play him into being good. You know, we're trying to play a, a player a player into form. And it's not working at the moment. It's not. William, I mean he had kind of a decent spell when he came on against um I wanna say Man United, was it? He played well when he came in against... Ma- no, not Man United. There was one game recently, wasn't it? Yeah, it was one game. There's <laughs> that number can't even remember. I want to say Man United, United, but...
1: United. away at Old Trafford. He, he did play, I thought. I thought he played quite well there. but
3: No, the one at home when we um, drew with them. No. The... Yeah, because he made some runs. But whatever game it was... when oh, well, he, he came he off came... the bench. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah so he, played, he didn't play too badly, but... What do you again? It's what do you do with a player like Willian? We have him for another two and a half seasons. uh He's thirty-one years old. No, there is no team that's going to buy Willian, especially with COVID and um, teams not spending money at the moment. No one's going to buy Willian from us. Willian's being paid hundreds of thousands of pounds a week. So canceling his contract is going to cost Arsenal ridiculous amounts of money. Um There are players in this in the squad that William is taking their place. I mean, you talk about, um, the likes of maybe Reese Nelson. You talk about Martellani, um, that he's taking their game time. Now we are wasting valuable minutes on William, a player who on current form, you would say he's passed it. I mean, we don't know that the next game he could come on and get a hat trick. It's just one of those things, but you get that
0: feeling, don't you? He's one day he's just going to turn it on and go, we go, Wow. Like the Fulham game,
3: yeah, but respectfully, and I mean, it's respectfully that was against Fulham, who you, <laughs> That's know, <not> respectfully. <laughs> it, you know, so it's just silly. But are we wasting valuable game time and game minutes on William Ellis? Do you think that we'd be more suited giving the game time to people like Reese Nelson and people like Martinelli, who are could or could be the future of this club?
2: 100%. I, I. I... I wouldn't play him until I'd give him like the odd substitute appearance. I'd give him um, rotational games when we have to rotate the players. Yeah, but I'd, I'd, I don't think he should be um, <laughs> the starting right wing or left wing or whatever position they want to play him in. Cam, if they even try it there, I don't think he should personally. I've, I, I think when we did sign him, I think I was probably yeah. in the camp of you, Carl, where I tried to convince myself it was a good buy. It's an experienced Premier League player. He should do all right, but again, it's just another Chelsea player that, we bought that hasn't really done much. Sort of a, an attempted stop gap signing that hasn't really stopped anything, hasn't improved us greatly, hasn't really done much. And the fact that he's come from Chelsea probably doesn't give him a lot of... Um, a lot of... Uh, what's the word? Love. Yeah, yeah love or... <laughs> back in from the fans. They're not going to be, oh, yes, all right. It's, it's, it'll be, oh, agent William from Chelsea, yada, 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 he does anything wrong. So he's got that to contend with as well and the fact that he's a, his agent was a, a key player in getting to Arsenal. Obviously, Arteta likes him as a player and thought he was a good acquisition for us but it's, it's just not materialized like, I, like when he played the fulham game we all thought yeah actually yes yeah, so goodbye he's doing all right if he can do that i think at the time i probably put him into my fantasy team he lasted like two weeks and he was removed and i wouldn't ever put him in my fantasy team ever again on current form that he's playing at the moment so it's it's, it's difficult and i think yeah carl i agree we, he sh- he shouldn't be taking the game time off even pepe at the moment pepe's in form i wouldn't i wouldn't take pepe out for William. I wouldn't take any of the young guys that are playing, and I'd like to give some of the other guys a bit more of a crack at the whip. Because, yeah, like you say, they're not getting the—they're not the twilight of their career. This isn't their last move. They have got more to play for than what William has at the moment, and it's just—it's just not worked out. And we ain't going to get any money with them again. a it's, 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 it's Arsenal transfer business at the moment. We—we we haven't bought well, and I don't think we've bought well in William. And I—I I, I don't know if he can turn it around, but I'm not willing to let him, I wouldn't be willing to get him to try and play out in that form. He'll get his opportunities, like I say, in in Europa League, or if it's a game that we need to rotate, but he shouldn't be a starting, starting member of the, of the team for me, personally. I don't know how Simon feels.
1: Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I think the point you guys are making about, you know, he's still got two and a half years on his deal. Man, you're not going to get anyone, any money for him certainly not anyone paying a transfer fee for him I think you struggling to get someone to pay his wages maybe I think Arteta certainly for a long period of time was trying to play him into form um, you know just in the hope it was going to click and it was suddenly going to get right because his track record his pedigree is obviously a good player I mean he's fantastic for Chelsea he's done it all in the Premier League he's won nearly everything um, so Arteta there he's, he's probably looking at the and I know people were moaning for a long time about how's you know he's picking William Well he has got a lot of credit in the bank, maybe not at Arsenal, but in his career, you look at that and think, look, this this guy's a player. He's obviously a good footballer. Um, and they obviously moved him in to try and play him as a number 10 to see if that could get to work. But he's given it, Arteta, what, you know, four months, five months, and it just hasn't really clicked, has it? It's, you know, it's it's almost like a relationship where it's just gone bad and you just want to pull the plug and both move on. But I don't think, that's, I can't see how that can be the case given his, his contract length. So, think right now I think Arteta the way he's managing it is, is better I think you know Willian's not really near the starting team is he um, he's coming off the bench for sort of 20 minutes which is what he is at the moment and you just have to leave that as a situation and then hope it, c- it can improve but I mean right now it looks it just doesn't look like anything that's going to improve and uh, it's, it's a disappointing one because I, when Arsenal signed him in the summer I don't know I don't know what you guys thought but I thought it was quite a Quite a good deal, I thought. Um, not say a good deal, but I thought it was a good signing. You know, Chelsea wanted to keep him. He's Premier League ready. Not going to need any time to adapt to the league. You know, he's going to should have made the team better straight away. Um, no transfer fee paid. I thought, yeah, I thought it was a good deal, but um, just hasn't worked out at all. And I, uh, it's got, I can't it's struggling like you guys to see where the light at the end of the tunnel is. But I think as long as he doesn't. You know, take chances away from uh, from those coming through, then it's going to be a situation that's going to rumble on. I think, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I, I think there's a Nelson. risk. To... So going, Danny.
1: I was saying in the two-two um, under
0: 23s draw against Chelsea, Reese Nelson was the best player on the pitch. Absolutely fantastic. He's another player just for me, socks-down player, just like Smith Rowe, and, and he's, he needs to be given a chance because you can't keep up, giving William all this time and. I was saying before, have been an Arsenal fan for the best part of 40 years and I've never known Arsenal to con- to cancel a player's contract and we did three-in-one transfer window, Carl. We can't do it again, can we? Not well, And there's debate whether it's a, a two-plus-one optional, whether it's a three-year deal. Either way, we've got him for another 18 months. So Maybe Arteta's looking at that and overly... It kind of worked with Pepe, didn't it, Carl, where you Ibu played him into form and then, then decided to change his position again.
3: Yeah, I think with William I don't think the club can afford to cancel William's contract. I no. um, uh, so genuinely So I think it's one of the ones where, he, yeah, he's got too much left on his contract, too much time. So it's one of the ones where we are just going to absolutely have to um, keep him. I I'm like you, Simon, and also Ellis. I don't think that he should be taking away valuable game time from the likes of Reece Nelson and Pepe. Okay. I think. I, I think. Arteta's reluctance to play Reese Nelson is maybe too many youngsters in the squad. Um, I think if you look at our front three slash four, you've got um Saka, Emil rowe and then if he was to play Reese Nelson, that's three players were under the age of what twenty one? Twenty, I was Reese Nelson. 20s, 20, 21, uh, 21. I think he might be now. 21, oh, 21 maybe 20. 20. So that's three players there. Is that too much inexperience? So that's why he has to play the likes of William. Um, I'm not saying take away Pepe because Pepe, at the moment, is playing very well. So you got to start him. But maybe that's Arteta's the sort of player, sort of manager, who likes a bit of experience in there, and maybe. It's all about again with someone we we'll talk about now. You might as well uh, Abamyang. Maybe he's trying to fit Abamyang into the squad as well. So you have to play Abamyang on the left because that's where he plays, and then you also want to try and play uh, Lacazette. Even though it's really Lacazette's a really hard one as well because Lacazette is almost playing as a number ten. He's playing very very deep, and it, it showed against Aston Villa where we didn't have anyone running behind him. So, again, it, it's really hard to try and fit all these players that he wants to play in the squad. It's only Aubameyang's form, and we talk about it now, Aubameyang's form is atrocious. What Daddy was saying, that this time last year, he had 19 goals so far. Okay. and Sorry, 14. And he's got five now. That's And that's meant to be our starting striker. We don't know what's kind of happened behind the scenes. We know that he's lost his... Um, we know that he's lost his mum. Um, rec- sorry, not lost his mum. His mum uh, was very ill recently, and obviously that, you know, no player wants to think about their mum being very ill when they're having to concentrate on football. And that's obviously why. Have
0: that for? Do we? That could yeah. been on his mind for ages, like it would be anyone who loves their mum.
3: One hundred percent, and obviously that could be playing a factor, but. <sighs> Since the start of the season, Arteta's... Sorry, Aubameyang has not been the player that he was last season. I mean, last season, Simon, he, he was, you know, by far the best player in our squad, arguably one of the best players in the Premier League. And this season, he's seemed to have literally fallen off uh, a cliff. And, again, we've just given him a, a humongous contract. Uh, and I'm not advocating sort of cancelling his contract by... If, um, if a team came in for Abamiang in the summer, Simon, if you're Arteta, are you selling Abamiang? Good question, isn't it? I mean I think I think it's
1: also one, you know, there'll be some fans who say maybe you should have sold him sold him last summer, but I think that's hindsight being being twenty twenty. For me, I think I still think you stick with Abamiang and I would still stick with him with him this summer. Um it, it's it's a this sort of run he's been on is so rare for him in his in his career. I mean, if you look back at the seasons he's had, particularly at Arsenal, you know he's never really had a, a try spell at Arsenal. He's been yeah, brilliant since he came. It absolutely hit the ground running when he came in that January window. Dortmund are you fantastic there, so it is, it is you know so out of the blue for him to have this sort of run. We we don't know, as you say, you know what's been impacting him off the pitch. Um it's also obviously been the most hectic season in Premier League history with no pre-season as well. Coming off the back of him playing every game last season and having all the pressure of dragging the team forward and being their talisman. For me, you know, last season Arsenal would nowhere have won the FA Cup without Aubameyang and they would definitely not have finished eighth place, you know. So I think he deserves a huge amount of credit for that. But the team, as you say, has sort of shifted away from him. You know, for me now in attack, the, the main man of the talisman is Saka, you know he's the person I look to to make something happen. And there are times when I watch Arsenal and they're thinking the same thing because remember that West Brom game, but it was basically for the first 30 minutes, it was like, get the ball to Bukayo and, you know, let him do something special. So whether that's part of it, whether the team is, you know, not the whole, whole, the whole last season was the whole formation was based around getting the best out of a Bamiang and that three, four, three and playing to his hands. And the attack has shifted a bit from that. I think what you do with him now is, is really going to be interesting. Um, I wonder whether, if Tierney is out for a couple more games, we don't know, we're going to have to wait, we'll find out this week, whether you think the way to get everyone into the team, because Pepe, I think, at the moment, is playing well enough to not drop him. Whether you think, right, let's play Saka left-back, let's play Bamiyang left-forward, Pepe right-forward, and Lacazette through the middle. Um, and that's a way to get them all in, because maybe that will help best. You know, If if Bamiyang's playing down the left with Saka, he's probably... You know, as good an attacking left back as you're going to get in the Premier League, given he's he's more of a forward. Whether that gets the best out of him, or whether you play a through the middle and, and drop Lacazette, it's going to be interesting. I I wonder whether that might be the solution for me. Is is playing a left with Saka behind him and Pepe on the right? But I think you stick with him for me. I think you, this his track record's too good. He's given too much to the club. He's played so well. I think you, you keep going with him because I think. If he hits form, then this team could absolutely you know, improve so much. Well, he showed a sign of that, didn't he, when he got those two goals? And
0: we've seen it with mm. Lacazette, we've seen it with Pepe. If you keep playing quality players, they are eventually. Things are going to tick. But I, I personally think there is so much to do with we, we we don't have all of our best 11. Well, I said before the show that imagine if Arteta had an entirely fit squad, which never happens. Well, even if he had his entire fit best 11 for a run of five or six games, that Ellis, wouldn't that be just a dream to, to see that? Was, I think we all agree that our, 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 it would be Leno in goal, Bellow in right-back, um, Tyranny left-back, centre-backs of Gabriel and, did, would you say, Holding? Considering Holding you, on, on, on current form, yeah. Considering Chambers was our player of the season before he got injured, and that seems to be taken over a year for him to come back. And then we play uh, Saka right-wing, Pepe left-wing, and then we've got... Um, uh, and he said Elneny then. God, I've forgotten. He put them in that party and Smith Rowe. And would you say Xhaka in the middle with them? Or would you say Ceballos, Or
2: I'd go with Xhaka. I think Xhaka is a is a lot, he's a lot of pressure taken off him. And I think he, he thrives on that.
0: They do play well together, and then then you're going to have look. Would you have um? But would you have Young playing in the central striker role, or would you have Lacazette or Martinelli? If you had all those choices, Ellis, imagine the run we could go on, and that would shut up most of the people that are shouting and screaming for his head. But how many times this season has, has he been able to play the same the team starting eleven back to back? That is such a huge part of why we're in the the, the trouble that we're in, and we're saying us. Look at Liverpool. The amount of centre backs they've got out injured. They get one and then they get it. over and over and they're having, they're having to dip into the championship to buy centre backs. It's just so many clubs are going through this problem. It's well,
2: yeah, just, yeah. their Premier on. League when they won the Premier League, I I can't remember what the stat was now, but their key players Salah, Firmino, Mane, Van Dyke, Allison probably played literally almost every single game. They barely missed a game when they won it. And look at them now, they've had a lot of injuries. Obviously, Van Dyke that horrendous injury got at at Everton, when the keeper nearly broke his leg or whatever he did. not even get
1: sent off for it. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) uh, He gets sent off for uh, brushing someone's uh, stud with his knee. Um, But yeah, it's... It's difficult. I think we're certainly not going to get that this season. I don't think anyone really is because the fixtures are coming thick and fast. Um, As soon as there's an outbreak of COVID anywhere, a fixture is postponed and then they have to cram it into another week. It is realistically, if you, if I'm being completely honest, it shouldn't even be fucking going ahead. We shouldn't be playing fucking football as nice of a distraction it is for all of us to, well, maybe not a nice distraction for Arsenal fans, but a nice distraction for football fans to actually have something to watch. Realistically, it shouldn't be going on. And that is what we're seeing the effects of that now, because if you're in a perfect world where there is no virus, then you wouldn't have cancellations. You wouldn't have to cram all the games in whenever you can get them in, essentially, just so you can play a bit of football. But that's besides the point. Yeah, I can't remember what your question was now about having everyone fit, wasn't it?
1: Well, how runs do you think we could
0: go on if we had the entire squad? I don't know. Basically that our best players, if we had them fit for a run of six games.
2: Even if we had our best players fit, I think we should still struggle. I think this team for me, it's the mentality of a lot of our players. Like I I don't want to question anyone's mentality. Particularly, but I'd say as a whole, there's no one in our team that stands out with a, a very strong, resolute mentality. A sort of when they get knocked down, they'll come back from it quickly. We've seen Alba's form dip with again, we don't really know what's going on with his mum, how unwell she is, if that plays a factor or if it's just the fact that he's out of poor form cause he's not scoring goals and it's not really something that he's ever come across in his career. So, in the last, like Silence says, in the last ever with Arsenal and those seasons with Dortmund he, he never really, he's never really gone through a run like this so that's difficult Lacazette has fluctuated in form and when he scores goals everyone in this team has fluctuated no one has really been like yes I'm taking it by the horns I, I think we just struggle with the mentality
3: thing. Oh, yeah. hmm? do you think oh, as Arsenal fans we think our players are better than they actually are
2: I think any fan does that. We always try and pick up players. We always players. If you sign anyone, you try and make the case for them to be a good player that you've signed. Like It's just just the mentality of football fans. You want your team and you look at your team and you expect your team to be better. I think a good judge is to get someone to look at your a player you rate and watch them a couple of games and then they'll tell you. A like, non-biased, not someone who hates your club, but just an average Joe football fan will tell you their honest opinion on a player. I think we watch a lot of our team and sometimes we are a bit hypercritical of certain players and other times we we praise them a bit too much we all have our favourite players everyone does like, I, I really like Hector Bellerin but I, I'll admit that he's been a bit shit of late but
0: <laughs> he's had a, a half decent season but because people don't, immediately don't like him I think they're very quick to pick up on his flaws but
1: I think his defensive <coughs> game has definitely he's improved it he's, he's yeah, better defensively isn't he defensively I think he's better offensively yeah, he offensively, just, he's dropped
2: off. Yeah. He was, obviously, again, you can look at the injuries that he's had, mm. but offensively, I don't think he contributes nearly enough. Like, you look at the, the left-backs we've had in, when even, even Kolasinac at a point when he was played under Emery was contributing a lot down that left flank in terms of getting assists and driving forward. And Bellerin, for me, just hasn't really done it. He's gone and fixed to starts offensively, but it's difficult. I think the mentality is not there. There is something wrong mentally with a lot of our players. And I I think they're very fragile. And when it comes to becoming out of form, it takes them a long time to recover from that. And also just going into game by game things, when something bad, when something negative happens to this game, a sending off a penalty, whatever, we don't really recover very well from it. And I think uh, going back to what I said earlier with these, only one nil losses. These park like sitting back and trying to protect leads and not being too um, outgoing is is a, to try and combat that weak mentality because he knows if he let another goal in then that could be it for us. And I I, I don't know how you combat that. I don't know. If it's, I don't watch a lot of football. A lot of people out there probably do and watch a lot of other teams, but I only really watch Arsenal at the moment. I'm not even watching them that much. But I don't know if there's anyone out there that we should be targeting who has got the sort of captain mentality that could just sort of, I don't know, just give us the kick up the arse that we need. Because I I can't really name anyone on our squad, mentally-wise, who... I think is really solid and is is, is is not going to be rocked by a bit of bad form. I don't know about Carl, Simon or Danny, if there's anyone you can particularly point out on our team that is...
1: Uh, Tierney, I think, is a pretty good... I think he's probably a rare, mm. rare example in there, I think. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think Holding's becoming a bit of a leader. I think Sackers seems to be stepping up as... Um, yeah, a bit of, it's a squad that's going to have lost a lot of big big personalities, you know, particularly if Louise goes this summer, you know, Urzel will have gone. Um, so there's going to need people to step up. I think Tierney is someone, in my opinion, definitely can. And Arteta's has spoken about it becoming, a, you know, captain one day. He's spoken about how Holdings a leader. Um, um, I think Leno is someone who's, perhaps not the loudest sort of voice, but I think he is honest in what he says um, and will give his opinion on matters. But I, I don't know. I sometimes find with this Arsenal squad that they're almost... Whenever we, whenever they've had their sort of best run or they've looked their best, is when they've just sort of had like a set, a, you know, a set goal over a small period of time where they can they can really concentrate and really focus. You know, I'm thinking of that Europa League run under under Emery, um, the FA Cup run under Arteta, where they sort of just get their head together and they just go for a goal. When they sort of look big picture and it's you know the season as a whole, I kind of feel they sort of the concentration, the focus can slip. And the mentality can go. But in, in short periods, which is what we spoke about, you know, this team, I think, can beat most teams on their day. They're great. It's just being able to have that consistency and sustain it for a long period of time. So that is something you're going to have to hope will come um, as these players mature and become leaders. But I think there will be a changing of the guard in terms of what what is the core leadership group of this squad. Um, particularly if, you know, the likes of Ober starts Becoming less of a key figure, you know, um, given his age and, and the length he's got on his contract, I don't know, but um, it is, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. I think right now, though, I don't think you've got. You look at that squad and you look at them going, oh yeah, that's they've got the mentality that's going to go and you know be challenging for titles, let alone challenging for for top four.
2: I just feel like the, the key voices in the dressing room, a lot of them have probably left, like Socrates, or They've they've gone now, so that's. Mm. Big hole to fill. The ones that are left are Abamyang, Lacazette, and I'll probably piss a lot of people off, and Bellerin But mm. for me, Lacazette and Abamyang just seem to piss around and take funny videos on on Instagram. I, I don't think they're key leaders. I don't think they're the ones that when the going gets tough, they're going to go right. Come on, lads, let's do it. I I think Abamyang for me is just a very chilled, relaxed, fun-loving guy, and. That's a, that's a that's a great character to have, but I don't think it's necessary. Not necessarily a character you want as your captain to try and drag people out of this poor form. I don't think he is that guy. I think what, he's he- probably a great guy to be around when everything's. He's frozen. a lead
1: by example sort of person, isn't he? You know, he's the yeah. He's the sort of talisman you rally around, but is he? But then when he I isn't, know. Is
2: leading he- by example. When he's in pawn form. Mm.
1: What, what is he the he captain? Is he the man you want in a crisis? <laughs> you know, yeah.
3: We kind of already showed know. it, didn't we, where we went on a poor run of form. He didn't do any interviews. And then I think we won one game and he come out in the interview and he said, you know, when um, when we're not playing well, I don't really want to talk. But that's not a captain. The captain should be in front of a camera all the time saying how bad we are. I personally think giving the captain's R-band to, R- to Aubameyang was one of the worst things we've done. I genuinely do. Um uh, ridiculous! Just because uh, a player scoring goals is not a reason to him to be a captain. He, he and I'm not going to just dog him because you know he's a good player, but he shows no captain qualities. Like you said, he, he's a fun guy to be around, but whether he's a leader is very debatable. And I think to say he's probably not a leader um, for an Arsenal football squad. But as normal, we've we've had some bad decisions given uh, the captains Arban to people. Uh, over the years and you know it's not always worked out uh, unfortunately so you know we um we move, but you know we have to hope that Aubameyang and all the players find a bit of form towards the, um, towards the end of the season because our running that we need them we need every single player you know players are going to pick up injuries along the way players are going to go out uh, for COVID reasons it's it's, it's Inevitable, it's gonna happen, uh, unfortunately. So what we've got to do is see kind of what happens and you know we we kinda of go from there. Um I'm gonna move on Danny because we're kinda of pressed for a little bit of time. Um we're gonna talk about VAR very, very quickly. Um I'm gonna start this off because I'm watching the Everton um Top game and Everton has just been given it, well in the second half first half we're given a penalty. Uh Calvert Lewin ran across Heiberg. Heiberg tripped Calvert-Lewin up and um, in the penalty box, and literally uh, gave a penalty, only a penalty, no red card. Now there is zero, and you probably go to it. You'll probably see everyone talking about this. There is zero difference between what um, Heiberg did to what Everton did, uh, so to what Heiberg did to what David Luiz did. Now this is what we talk about: the inconsistencies um, in refereeing. Slash VAR. Uh, I was waiting to talk about this actually just watching this game because it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, I hate to be the guy to say that Arsenal are being targeted. I don't, in my heart of hearts, I don't think Arsenal are being targeted. I think it's my Arsenal hat to thinking that we're getting decisions against us and other teams are not. If you talk to probably every team in the Premier League, they'll probably say exactly the same thing. However, I can only look at it from an Arsenal point of view. Now, we've had some very weird decisions go against us. Um, and I'm talking about, just in the past, I'm talking about, do you remember when Saka uh, um, got kicked by, um, I want to say it was Salah? Do you remember when um, Mane elbows one of our players? Um, do you remember when we played, I think, Crystal Palace last season? um where we had a goal disallowed because apparently holding fouled someone in the box. You know, the list can go on and on and on. But just on recently, very, very recently, the David Luiz one, now that stuck in a lot of people's throats because literally um, you had a Southampton player who got his card rescinded. Um, Rightly so, I'll be very honest. Um, And then you had a Crystal, no, a West Ham player got his card rescinded. Again, rightly so. So why wasn't hours rescinded i'll give it to danny so oh shit and i'm not saying and i'm not saying that arsenal <laughs> being targeted because it's, it's silly to say arsenal being targeted like every team in the premier league could say exactly the same thing but do you think that sometimes arsenal just don't get the rubber the green that like other teams do oh
0: well, this is um from a uh the arsenal hit one of the arsenal history sites and they show last season we got five red cards and uh, we're, the highest in the league was five. And then you look over the, the years, two of this year before that, two of the year before This season, we've got five already, which is more than, than any other side. I've also got the ages ready there because you were asking earlier, but we'll save that for another day. Why does it keep happening? I do think that referees have their favourites. We said on the last podcast that all of the referees, but bar one, are all from the north. Um, you've seen over the years that Liverpool and Man United, I mean, even Man United now, they get a penalty every three games. And, and, and Bruno, that's why Bruno Fernandes is one of the best in-form players in the league. But as to uh, if we're unlucky, I do think that David Luiz, does, and, Luiz and Xhaka, they're known for being, being a little bit naughty. So as soon as they do something wrong, you know they're going to get a card. So they should behave themselves and they don't. David Luiz was out of position for that red card. Um, he touched the player. He says the rules say don't. If you touch the player, then it's your fault. It doesn't matter that the player's um, leg came back and hit Dave uh, Luis in in knee. Louise probably shouldn't have been in that position. I don't really care. I don't like VAR. I think VAR, like like El Presidente says on the Tuesday Club, he can no longer celebrate a goal because you half the time you're going to go, well, what the point celebrating? They're probably going to just disallow it. I didn't want VAR when it started. I think. Um, someone put in our WhatsApp group, I think it was uh, Richard, um, uh, some footage of the rugby referees talking. You could hear them discussing it. There's three blokes seemed to know what they were talking about. And they were talking to the the referee during the game. And we could hear it all going on. And it was very a calm, planned, thought out way of, did he do this? Did he take it too high? Did he do that? Unless we have something like that. And unless referees, like I said in the last show, that in this, in the, in the, In the UK, you have people in authority, be they um, traffic wardens or be they judges or or police or MPs or, or milk monitors or prefects, they're never going to step down and go. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're completely right there. I've made a mistake. Very rarely will you get that. Uh, I think that is uh, a British thing. You see, in American sports, we had a couple of Americans on the, on the last show, and uh, they were they were talking about how it works in American sports, where they want to do their job to the best of their ability. In this country, so many referees, like Ian Wright said. Little Hitlers, they have traffic warden syndrome, that I call it. They don't want to be questioned. And when you have um, linesmen not questioning referees when something will happen right in front of it and the linesman will flag for this, that or the other and the referee will go, no, that didn't happen and then you'll move on from it. And then rather than the linesman Oh, no, that did happen, there's a hierarchy. And until you can get rid of that hierarchy and um, the PGMOL or whatever they're called, they're an absolute disguise because it's just a boys club looking after each other. Get rid of VAR. You're never going to get rid of it, but it's until you, for as long as you have VAR, you're going to keep ruining the game. I like things not working right and people going just the rubber, the green, and and teams having home advantage. I don't want VAR anymore. It's killing the game. You can't celebrate.
1: It's no fun. Did I answer your it's question? Du- it's a, it's a it's a double sick double sickness isn't it? Because when you get well, like the Louise, like the Louise situation, where you know you feel aggrieved because they you know, don't think it was a penalty or a red card. So you feel down about that. Then it gets checked, and you get kicked again because the referee looks at it and goes, "No, no, no." You know, you almost get the decision twice. Well, and I do
0: think he up, we he got sent off, and he went actually no, he wasn't sent off, and he's brought back on again. Yeah, now, I
1: mean, there are moments that. where it's good, but friend, I do, yeah. I do really think a real key thing, I think would be you mentioned it there would be hearing what the referee and the VAR official are saying, because even if you know you didn't fully agree with the decision, if you could hear their reasoning. And understand it, you would accept it more, and it would also get rid of you know the, the fan views. People goes, "Oh, I'm doing it because it's Arsenal," because you obviously wouldn't hear him going, "Yeah, it's yes, yeah, it's David Louise." I'm oh, just going to start. you would actually you <laughs> could understand. You if they did say that, it'd be amazing TV. But no, you could uh, hear the decision going. You know, over the wants goes, "Yeah, well, you know, by the letter of the law, I'm sending Louise off because he hasn't made any attempt to play the ball." You know, and it just to understand what they're doing, I think that would be a key thing because at the moment. You're just watching these lines or these replays and it's infuriating and you can't see any reasoning. I do think that would be such a big difference if you could hear what the referee was saying to just understand what's going on. I know there's probably an issue, they would think, with players swearing and all this sort of thing getting mic'd up. But for me, that that is a key thing, to be able to hear what these referees are saying so we could at least try and understand why they're doing what they're doing.
2: Oh, I 100% agree with that, really. Like, I think even, even the players swearing... Just find them. You've then got proof. You go look. Here you are. You've just yeah. said. you said. Fuck off. Off you go. Or just fucking book them. Or send yeah. them off. If they can't even raise their voice, and the, the players will have to sort themselves out. And also the refs. Like, I I don't doubt that at some point a ref has probably said because they're not mic'd up. Yes, yeah, Granite Jacker. He always does this. I'm going to send him off. Yeah. But they wouldn't say that if they're would up and everyone could fucking hear them, would they? And I just I mean, think this. I don't. I'm not on Danny's opinion of Var is bad. Get rid of it. I think VAR is fine. It's the... It the
0: game better though, Ellis. No, because it's the people it that are using it.
2: Like if you're an idiot using a computer, you're still a fucking idiot. It's not the computer's <laughs> fault, is it? Like the technology is fine. Probably does need some sort of improvement. I and I think there needs to be sort of more rules put in place for how we utilize VAR, but it is the people using it. It is the referees that don't get invited to World Cups, because they're not good enough, because they frequently make mistakes, because they're not accountable for their actions. I said it in our WhatsApp chat, like, if I made a drug error at work, and someone and someone's family member said, no, actually, I think that's wrong, I don't go up to them, no, you're not allowed to tell me off, that's a fine. Because that's what happens in football. If a referee goes, I think, if a referee, sorry, if a manager criticises the referee, they get fined for it. If, if we appeal a decision that goes against us, we get punished for it. Like it's, it's the system is wrong and I'm not saying there's corruption there. I'm not. And I don't think there is. I don't think we're getting an unfair rub of the green. I gen- generally just believe that a lot of our referees are a bit incompetent, aren't very good. I think you could fix VAR by having X amount of people that are only they're employed to run VAR. They're not referees that are reffing games one weekend and then in via the next weekend they are solely there they know the technology they know the rules of the game they are the same group of people that are there all the time and I think that would get rid of some of the discrepancies some of the subjective decisions because it will be the same people saying well actually no that player just clipped him that's a red card and a penalty and give it to David Louis so we need to give it now or no actually we don't give that for everyone else so we're not going to give it to David Louis just have a bit of consistency there that is what I think people are pissed off with. At the moment, there's not much to watch. There's a lot of football games on. A lot of people are bored, sat at home, watching football. And I think the referees are getting found out. And it's frustrating. And there's, there's, I don't know how we get around it, other than just completely tearing it up and starting anew, starting anew fresh. But who the fuck would want to be a referee? Like We mentioned it pre-pod, like the abuse that Mike Dean's got. I hate it. it. it
0: oh, where I you might. have to I'm start doing off it. in it's Sunday fun. football. So, where they're, where they're threatening to kill you and your family and referees have been chased off the pitch because you, you don't start at the top. You don't go, I want to be a referee and the next day you're, you're a referee in a Premier League game. You have to do the donkey work down at the lower levels and you
3: have to have, what, a decade? Why? why? So I put this in our group as well. Why? Why does that need to happen? Um, as a, so everyone knows I work for London Underground. I could take someone off the street and train them up to drive a train to be a train operator And within a few months, um, six months it takes, they could be a fully qualified train operator to operate a train. So you tell me why you can't take a person off the street and train them up to be a referee and then to them to be a fully qualified referee. There is no reason why that cannot happen. There is no reason why you have to come up through the ranks. It's the same as being a footballer. You could be playing on... Say Ian Wright. Ian Wright was playing Sunday League football. Crystal Palace took a chance on him, and look how that worked out. You can train someone to do any job in the absolute world, any job. So there's no reason why the FA, and I have my issues with the PGMI world, which is not for this point, but um, for me, there's no reason why you have to work your way up. I mean, there's... Loads of things that's wrong with the whole organisation. It's you know why there are no uh, black or ethnic minority referees in the Premier League. Uh, There's none, not so ever. One
0: ever, hasn't there?
3: Yeah, and in 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 this era, you think that they were trying, you think that they're trying to encourage that, but they haven't. The Premier League put out a six point plan to try and battle um, to combat racism, but there was no um, point or no plan to get more black referees into the game. Has
0: Sean? refereed a game yet because she seems to have been a fourth no, official for yeah, the last you,
3: four or five years Yeah, but wait, there's a difference in it, if you're um, an assistant referee you're not going to be an actual referee are you, you're either a, a referee or you're an assistant referee, there's oh, yeah. no crossover yeah. is there so um, yeah, so I, I'm, we're not condoning, listen, uh, I'm not condoning it at all but Simon, quick question, do you think because of the amount of games that are coming thick and fast. Do you think there's a bit of mental fatigue with with the referees as well? Because, you know, just like the players get tired as well, the referees have to run up and down for 90 minutes, exactly the same as the, um, as the players. So they're all in their late 40s. Yeah. They're old
1: as fuck. (laughs) Yeah.
3: (laughs) um, What's his name? Who's that? Who's the, the that was the one that Ferguson
1: famous, Alex Ferguson famously used to (laughs) call out one of them for being unfit and, Having a go, and then... Paul Duncan. Yeah. Oh, one of them used to always have a go, wasn't it? He's well, that, that's another work. problem.
2: Like they aren't athletes, are they? They're not. Like,
1: well, there's. I think there's there's a, there's a small pool of them as well to pick from. There's not, you know, a great number. There is. There's, there's a shortage of referees anywhere. I think. I think all in 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 all football in England. I think there's not, a, you know, a great number of them. I think, but at the elite level, there is there is a small number of them, and there's a small number who are, I think are really good referees. And, and I, I tweeted the point you made there, Carl, the other day and got, got told where to go by Twitter. But um, I, think it's really? a, I think it's a valid point. I think, you know, I do think like players, referees are, you know, going through a lot of games at the moment. Just the, the endless cycle of match after match after match. And when there's not a huge amount of them to rotate them in and out, you know, it, it surely must play an impact on them. But I do also think something I hadn't thought before until Ellis said it the referees are probably now under more scrutiny than they ever have been partly because they got VAR but also because there's nothing else to watch unless you want to sit and watch Bridgerton again with your better half or you can't go out you know every single game is on tv every 90 minutes and they're all spaced out so we're all watching you know every game we're all you know normally you know you'd get on match of the day and you'd watch sort of five ten minutes of Brighton v West Brom but because it's on you know like, oh, I'll watch that and then now so I do think there is more scrutiny on referees than there probably has ever been and that is contributed to it where we are now thinking hang on a minute you know this is this is not up to scratch and and for me the big thing is consistency um just a lack of consistency in decisions you know that you see one one week and the next week it doesn't go that's what they've got to get right because at the moment there's too many discrepancies between one referee giving that and one giving that and I know it's difficult because they're laws and it's how the referee interprets them but at the moment that interpretation between one referee to another is, is too great to be sustainable
0: um, um, So, in I was gonna say in rugby aren't all the referees majority of them young fit very men.
1: Are, are there many 40, forty, fifty, fat old men running around? Well, you get, interestingly, in rugby, you get a, you get quite a few ex rugby players who are referees. There is a couple of them, you know, which I
0: think and is, is interesting. They, uh, why... And how long from being a player to being a, a referee does it takes? I know there was uh, years know. ago there was a, they tried to promote yeah ex players through the system of being referees, but they I saw an interview of one and they said it, it just takes so long to get through to get to the top, and I don't think one of them has ever managed to get anywhere near the Premier League.
2: Maybe that's actually a good point. Maybe if you get an actual, and I mean a proper professional football player, not somebody who's played football like Sunday league for the rest of life, get someone who has played in the Premier League, played in the Serie A, played in one of the top leagues in the world to a great standard and get them who can actually interpret, can actually go, well, actually, I know that's not how you run when you're trying to dribble a ball. You don't leave your leg training like that. Or actually, I know when you're defending that your knee just brushing that heel isn't enough to make that player go down, isn't you being malicious and trying to take him out, isn't you attempting to play the ball at all it's just you running naturally and to have someone who's got, yeah they're going to have to learn, and it probably is quite a difficult thing to learn, the actual rules and all the different rules that change on on a season by season basis but also to have that high knowledge of what it's like to be that player, to be in the position of the player, because none of the referees that we have at the moment have that at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, Venga so ben- was, ben- 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 was the one who suggested to have an ex-player in the in the VAR booth. He said that should be... You have the referee and an ex-player next to them both analysing the... I,
2: I don't think you even need an, a qualified referee to be in the VAR booth. I just think you need someone who knows the rules. Obviously, you need to have some form of qualification, but not yeah. a, a match official that does play regularly. It could be yeah. anyone that knows the rules of the game and just have, like I said, get a team there... Of I don't, I don't even know what number you'd need to man that because, like you say, the game's coming thick and fast at the moment. But just to have the same group of people in there. And not oh, to I mean, have a voice well, referee's going, that's my mate out there the referee, yeah, I agree with him.
3: Well, think about it. Any weekend, there's 10 games on. So maybe 15 because you have a little surplus. People take days off, uh, sickness, uh, just for cover. So you wouldn't need that many, and there's no way you can't get Footballers, uh, ex-footballers to do that I just think it's, like I said I've got my issues with the where I think it's uh, My my um, thoughts only I think it is a corrupt organisation I think it is absolutely ridiculous It's a boys club, like you said um, I don't want to go t- too deep into it Because it's uh, for another time But you think to yourself um, It's The people at the top at the moment Like you said, you can't even question them Without getting fined Now what kind of organisation are you in that you can't question someone's decisions without getting fined or the risk of being banned for a game. It's,
2: it, it's and they're not accountable it's, either. If they make a mistake, they're not, then like if I kill someone at work, I get my pin taken away. I'm not saying making the wrong decision on a match is equivalent to that. But if you do something bad and they make the wrong decision and it's for the world to see, because lots of people are watching it, there's also far to confirm that you've made the wrong decision why they they don't get punished? They don't get stepped down to like a fucking whatever league for a bit until they start building their way back up. But again, that probably comes to the point there aren't enough fucking manage, uh, mm. referees to do it anyway, so they can't just go, Mike Dean, you've made a shitload of errors, off you go for a week because there's no one else to manage whoever against whoever.
1: i was gonna say there's not enough people to come in and and step up. If you if you speak to people who um, follow championship clubs, they will tell you the standard of of refereeing in the in the football league is is very, very bad and, you know, much worse than the Premier League. So I think, you know, it's difficult to demote someone when you can't promote someone to, to replace them, I, I think, is an issue.
3: So yeah, is it a training fine. issue then? Is it literally, like you said, Ellis, you um, you studied for ages to become the position where you are. Um, so you can train someone to be a flipping brain surgeon. So, and I'm not... Uh, making a comparison of a two, but you can literally train someone to do any job in the world. Why is it that you need to come through the ranks and you can't train someone to become a referee? Why is it you can't get someone? Here is the laws of the game. You study the laws of those games. We will test you on those laws. We will make sure that you are fit enough to run for 90 minutes, essentially that's what you need to do. Uh, if you can run for 90 minutes, if you can keep up with play and make decisions under pressure um, and know the rules of the game, you can become a referee.
2: Who wants to be a referee, though?
1: <laughs> that's, I think that's yeah, that must be to. a problem as well. Surely, <laughs> who'd want to be a referee? I don't. I really don't. Particularly when I used to play Sunday League football, I'd be like, "Why? Why are you agreeing?" You know, they get paid. I think like thirty-five, forty quid. Mm-hmm. And you know, I played in games where you know referees were getting sworn out, abused. Someone got attacked. You know, it's like, why? Who wants to be a referee? I really don't understand it, but. We need them as well. We need them, but well, we need good ones as well. But robot
0: Elon yeah. Musk, robot referees, make <laughs> a robot.
2: Anyway,
1: make
0: fuck up and get worn out, and nothing will happen. <laughs> right. Listeners' questions: We've got six. We get them done quickly. You're going to get two each. Start with Carl from Ramakarishan, Ram Arsenal 21. Are we switching the support?
3: Are we switching to support in Bournemouth if Vieira gets the job? Yeah, um, I kind of. That, do hope he does get the job? Because maybe it'll be a little um, a- a qualifier for the Arsenal job, you know. So, um, yeah, let's hope he does get the job and he gets Bournemouth up to uh, the Premier League.
0: Well, Nantes have just sacked their manager. I reckon he'll go there. Simon Stuart Cross at Stuart C R O S Z. Isn't it about time we started using Martinelli up front? It's clearly his best position and his movement and hunger for goals is something we need. Now, I'd add to that. Hasn't he just come
1: out and said that he prefers to play wide? Yeah, well, well Martinelli's an interesting one because I think before he had his first break under Emery, Emery said he's a winger, that's where he plays, but I'm going to play him up front because we need to. And he scored a hat-trick in that Europa League game for members. Um, I think he definitely sees himself out wide. I think Arteta sees him out there. Um personally, I'd quite like to see him through the middle because um, I think he offers something different to Lacazette. He would be someone who runs in behind. I think partly the reason why he, he is out wide is A, because that's his preferred position, but B, because, you know, a bit like if you remember Walcott and other young players we had playing up front in the Premier League, it's a pretty bruising, bruising place to play for someone. So I think that's why he's out wide. But yeah, I would be quite keen to give him a go there personally, I think it'd be an interesting option and something different to what we're getting offered from Lacazette.
0: Superb. Right. Ellis from Fred at RLF 86. We've, we're just over halfway into the season. What are your thoughts? Not just about all teams, how inconsistent everyone is. Sheffield United is only first getting their first win of the season. Well, good luck like answering that in 30 seconds. <laughs>
2: I'm not even sure what the question was. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what? What's your thoughts
0: on the season so far? Everybody I'm just is on the general
2: season, shit. not us.
0: Yeah,
2: I just think it's, fucking, it's, a, it's a mad season, isn't it? Essentially, like the games. Like we keep saying, there's so many of them. They're all crammed in. Games are being postponed. Games are being cancelled. Games are being put in with another week full of games. We're getting two or three days turnover, and then we're playing another game. But I think it's just it's just the way it is at the moment. God knows what's going to happen. I just hope that neither Man United or Tottenham ever win a Premier League, whether it's this
0: one or anyone's in the future.
3: Well, Tottenham are four-three down um, to Everton. It's a good game. Four-three,
0: fucking hell! Okay. In, that, in that game, Carl Kane went off after what, sixty minutes. Did he go off injured? Did they have they, have they done a party and brought him back too soon?
3: Which right. you, no, he just come on. He came on. He just Kane's just come on. Calvert Lewin's. I, I was yeah, reading ben. it
0: wrong. Yeah he, yeah, he came on and Bergwijn came off. Fair enough. I'll shut up. Question for you, Carl, from Jay Arsenal, who is at Jord App Twenty Three. Should the main priority be selling Lacazette? Because I don't want
3: someone else to leave on a free. He's only got a year left on his contract, hasn't he? After this summer, I think if we don't get Lacazette like to sign another contract, he has to go this summer. We can't afford to leave let him go on a free. And even if we get ten mil for Lacazette, whoever pays that. Uh, it's something in the bank. We're not going to recoup what we pay for him. Clearly, we're not going to. Um, but, yeah, I think if he doesn't sign another contract, and personally, I don't really want him to, um, we've got to sell him this summer. And I think it's kind of probably an unknown or a known thing that he's going to leave this summer. It just depends on where he goes and how much he goes for.
0: Fair enough. Uh, question for you, Simon. Your last one from Billerickie Guna at Essex Gooner 1. Worst case scenario, if we don't make the Europa League places or win the Europa League this season, will it make new signings in the summer more difficult if no European football for a year?
1: Uh, yeah, I think it, it, it will definitely. I think financially, um, you know, we saw the value of the Europa League from the point of view that the players' pay cut was going to be 12.5% and it got reduced to 7.5% because they qualified for the Europa League. So, um, yeah, definitely it's going to impact the finances. Um, And also, I don't think it impacts it so much for attracting players not being in the Europa League. I think it's different with the Champions League. I think you miss out on that attraction. But as much as there will be, you know, potential financial impact from it, there is a part of me that, you know, being devil's advocate would almost like to see Arsenal not have any European football and just be playing one game a week and being able to properly, you know, have a go at the Premier League and drill the players and spend time on the training ground, particularly after a mad season. So, yeah, it will impact financially. But if uh, they're looking to build the squad, it could, you know, actually work in their benefit, having more time on the training ground and, and less games to play
0: thank you. Before I ask Ellis's question, gentlemen, get ready your gentlemen's nods for the end of the show. We're almost done. Ellis, final question for you from Van Guna at Van Guna 1. Where do you see us finishing in the table at the end of the season? Will we make either of the Champions League or the Europa League places?
2: I'm on mute. God.
0: I wasn't looking. Um, you were on mute.
2: I was on mute. Naughty man. Um, I think we'll make Europa. I'm still... Pretty hopeful of that. Well, remember, what, uh, what position are we in at the moment? I've not prepared very well. 10th, I want to say. Tenth, mm. 11th, actually. Oh. Good God. Leeds 11th, Leeds when Leeds, yeah. I yeah. Out. Um, <laughs> okay, maybe we won't make it. Who knows? I think we can put a run together and we'll make Europa. Um, <laughs> where are we are going to finish? Where the, the minimum position to get Europa
0: League. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to win the Europa League.
2: Um, I'd like to think we'd go on a good run and we'll prioritise that as that's seemingly our only chance of ever getting Champions League football ever again
0: I think the fact that we're now teams, some teams won't be playing their games at home like we're playing in Rome against Benfica next week I think it is Rome, isn't it Simon?
1: Yeah, Rome. And then the second leg, I think, is going to be Athens. But there is a bit of doubt now it's going to be Athens because Greece have gone into national lockdown. So I don't know if they're going to want two football teams rocking up. Do
0: you think UEFA are going to change it to one leg knockout?
1: I don't think so. I think UEFA are really keen to not set a precedent of if Arsenal get a one leg game, everyone's going to be like, well, you know, I'd, I'd... I think if there wasn't a um, Euros this summer, I think they probably would have been quite keen to just do a mini tournament at the end of the season like they did last year. But it's not time for that, really.
2: I, I don't understand the, the thought process of having <laughs> two legs in two neutral venues.
3: Um, so you don't give an unfair advantage to the quote unquote home team? They can't go to Portugal. Uh,
1: it's on the UK red list. So if Arsenal flew there for the Lisbon game. They would have to quarantine for 10 days. No one gets an exemption from that. But they can fly to Italy and play there. And Benfica can nah. fly there because there's no quarantine rules there. No but the, issue, the one thing I don't, don't get is the away goals. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? I would get rid of away goals because... <laughs> yeah, that's it's, what I mean, that's the, whole, the whole point
2: in having two legs is a home and away. To <laughs> get only away goal league,
3: uh, goals in. Do it at
0: home. Just have one game. I mean, yeah.
3: if it's not going to be um, in Greece, then probably what France, maybe. Yeah, I mean, a lot
1: of them have been over in. I think uh, Budapest has got quite a few games. I think Chelsea are playing in Bucharest as well. So, I mean, it's all quite it's all quite mad, isn't it? It's just. I don't I know. I mean, it's,
3: um, do you think that if it wasn't the Euros, there would be like a mini tournament that like there was last year?
1: I think so because I think that word I thought that worked pretty well last year. and It seemed to be. Fairly well. I don't know if you'd want to try and get a few less games in, so because at the moment you've got 32 in the Europa League, you don't have 32 teams in one country. But I think that it was was it the last eight? I think the last 16 they had. Um, oh. <clears throat> I think that worked really well. Last, I actually, quite liked it. It's just a format anyway. I thought it was particularly because we had no football and no tournament football. I thought it was great. So mm. and they would have liked that. But um, yeah, I mean the quarantine stuff's all crazy, isn't it? You can't play in Portugal, but you can go play in Italy and Greece it? and them. And all doing it for money because I don't yeah. want to lose that on TV revenue. What a world we live in.
0: Money is more important than people's health. Right. Um, uh, gentlemen's nods. Carl, do you have one? No. Go to Ellis. Ellis, do you have one?
2: Well, I was waiting for them to do theirs while I was thinking, because when no. you said have a think, I had a question to answer. That's not really fair for Carl to skip straight to me. Go to Simon. Right, then.
0: Simon, do you have one? <laughs> I actually don't have one. <laughs> for fuck's sake. <laughs> Maybe we should just have a, a collective one for Jurgen Klopp, whose mum passed away today at eighty-one. There's some, there's some bigger things in than, than football, people. Uh, um, um, Bo Tang, the Bayern Munich bloke, bloke he split up for his missus a week ago. She's twenty-five. She took her own life the other day on her kid's sixth birthday. Think about that when you're wanting Arteta out, and you think football is the most important thing in the world. There's more important things. All this is meaningless fluff. Just go and think. come and confuse. I think, I think, I think, I think, I think it
1: also it also as well highlights how we don't always not know what's going on with a, a person away from the pitch and if we can try and cut them a, some slack and just be kind, as they say on Twitter and, you know, particularly in the current climate, if everyone can just be kind to each other, we'll make things a little bit easier, wouldn't it? So, I, think, out there,
3: yeah, I, think we, I think <laughs> the problem is we, we, as football fans, we tend to just uh, with errors on our mind. Yeah, like it's like is that even calling the player shit? Like, you don't know mm. what that's doing to them. Like, and players I do... I mean, we're all guilty of players. it. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I haven't done it. I think we're all, you know...
1: Oh,
3: yeah, 100%. To it. 100%. But it's, yeah, one of those things. But, yeah, hopefully we'll be kind to each other and we beat Leeds on uh, Saturday, I want to say, David? Sunday. 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 Well, yeah, got Valentine's,
0: nods, Valentine's Day, Day Massacre. <laughs> um, well, go on then. as soon as your gentleman's nod to, and then I'll just do a quick roundup of who, what shows we've got coming up, and then we're done.
2: I'll do three because I can't pick one. Oh, go on. You'll know him anyway. Uh, first is do, 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 I don't actually know who's at is Travis, old um Rorschach Hedgehog.
1: Hedgehog. Yes. Yeah,
2: he's a he's a good old boy. Um, he is at oh no, what's the not the dash but the low the lower dash? What's that one called? Oh, Underscore, there we go. Underscore, <laughs> I'm underscore Walrus, and all his letters are uppercase, lowercase, uppercase, Doesn't lowercase. Doesn't matter, not lowercase. case sensitive. What a knobhead! That's him. Also, <laughs> you've got Chris at the Lion Gooner. That's a lot easier to say. It's literally uh, at the Lion Give in some stick. He done a. Re- Actually, you need to go into his profile because he done a spot the difference with a uh, Harry Kane and Beef's and buttered, and that was quite funny. <laughs> so you should probably <laughs> yeah. give him that a little look. And another. Sitting at Danny-ism, another cheeky monkey would be Tony, who is at the nefarious BPK. He's he got 30 is, accounts. He, he's a very naughty boy. And Scumbag.
0: He's and fire. I fight against all of you, a lot on Forza Horizon 4, and you nearly beat me the other night. had to drive you off the road, Ellis. Your avatar was driving me nuts. <laughs> that's, that's a
2: bit rude, isn't it?
0: It is rude. Right. Um, upcoming shows, we have this Sunday at... Uh, 4.30 kickoff against Leeds. We're at home. This game should start at, uh, Our show should start at about half past six. It's me and we don't know yet. The podcast next week is going to be on Tuesday. It would probably be live, 7.30. It's going to be me, Uncle Raj, Ellis and Owen Ian Ian Olin, however he's pronouncing his name at the time. <laughs> and then next Thursday, we're back in Europe and it's going to be Ellis again. Three shows out of four, Ellis. Are you all right? Up an annual <laughs> leave, got nothing better to do. Have we? <laughs> so it's going to be Ellis, Richard, and Femi for the Benfica v Arsenal game. So there you go. I am organised because Josh always says I'm not organised. No, Josh doesn't do the reading. Right. Thank you very much to my guest tonight, uh, Mr. Simon Collins. You have been spectacular as always. You are the star of the show. The to these two scumbags. Oh,
1: don't really say. I'm, just making, I'm making up the numbers. Thanks, for having me.
0: <laughs> you haven't gone full William but uh, uh, <laughs> everyone's, everyone's got that Carl thank you very much for stepping in you didn't have to be here but it's nice that you did
3: don't worry someone obviously this podcast is a key worker and obviously you need someone of my ilk to be don't that key it. worker don't milk it you because you bought yourself a
0: Mac just so you could be Mac buddies with Ellis yeah
3: I did oh, I bought like iMac Ellis
2: well lad
0: brilliant piece of them tech I can not use porn.
2: it but it's good
0: <laughs> yeah. And finally, it's uh it's Captain Holly Bobs himself. Ellis, it's been lovely to have you on. You do talk a lot of sense. And uh we're gonna get your little thing up there and then we're gonna go we're gonna go double Ellis, which is uh every lady's dream. So we've got double Ellis. Looks that photo was taken about five years ago, and he's only got one hat, one look, one shirt. That is so, uh, indeed. Thank you oh, do
2: you know what I listened to the other day? The old um, Peter Crouch podcast, and they've actually got a hashtag in there that we could start using instead of fuck Ellis. It's called no, hashtag piss off Carl. <laughs> and
0: if you listen to that <laughs>
2: podcast, you'll know why. Just, uh, no one likes a Carl.
0: <laughs> we have uh, we have got enough hashtags at this podcast. and uh, oh, Yes, right. An hour and 50 minutes. That's 20 minutes longer than we wanted to go. Some of us have things to do. I've got to go and make myself some tuna and rice. Lovely. Right. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening. If you are new, give it a subscribe, give it a thumbs up, give it a tickle, put something in the comments. I don't know. Any kind of nonsense, because uh yeah, the more interactions we have with the show, the more YouTube might recommend it to other people. And uh, we've been going nine years now. And we've only got 7,000 subs. That's ridiculous. Uh, some people get that in an afternoon. So we will be back on Sunday afternoon, Sunday night with the Leeds game. Until then, uh, be lucky, Treacle. I don't know what I was going to say then. I don't know. I managed to pull that one out about swearing. I'm pressing end now, Carl. End it with something nice. Hashtag fuck Ellis. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Splendid business. Get down, dog.